0: We're doing all right. Hey, I just want to welcome you. If you're watching at our Banta campus, our Franklin campus, maybe you're watching online from somewhere all around the world, or you're joining us at our broadcast campus here at Greenwood. We just want to say welcome to you. We are glad that you are here. It's fall break. Anybody excited about fall? It's gumbo weather, people. Come on. Hey, I, I married a Cajun woman, so gumbo weather is a real thing. And uh, you can't eat gumbo at 90 degrees, unless you're crazy. And so uh, I'm excited to finally, if you're in the Midwest, you're tasting some fall weather right now. Let's hold off winter for a little bit. Uh, but I just want to welcome you to week two of a series we're calling The Nudge. And this series is all about trying to understand the Holy Spirit and his work in our lives. If you were here for week one last week, you heard us say it. If you missed the podcast, let's just jump right into your notes this week. Uh, here's what I can tell you. The Holy Spirit, the role of the Holy Spirit is to nudge And here's what we said a nudge really is. We get it from Romans chapter 8 verse 14. Here's what a nudge is. A nudge is for all who are, say it with me, led by the Spirit of God. They are children of God. The role of the Holy Spirit is to nudge us in a direction or two. He won't shove and he won't yank, uh, but he will nudge us to the right, to the left, to go or to stay Uh, in various areas of our lives. And that's what it looks like for those of us who've trusted in Christ. That's what it looks like for us to be led by the Spirit. And this week as a team was planning, I came across a great piece of writing from a pastor named R.A. Torrey. He's a guy who lived in the late 1800s and the early 1900s. Here's what he says about the Holy Spirit and its role in our lives. He says that we obtain the fullness of power that God has provided for us in Christ To the same extent that we understand and claim the Holy Spirit's work for ourselves. The Holy Spirit, he is at work in our lives. And what Tori is saying here is is really the crux of the spiritual life. that That we are only able to obtain a quality of life, a spiritual life, to the same extent that we get to understand and take hold of, to claim the role and the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That's what this series is all about. It's all about what Jesus called the abundant life in John chapter 10, verse 10. It's also about what we hear in the book of Ephesians. Paul writes about uh, what it looks like to be led by the Spirit. I said Ephesians, I meant Galatians because the fruit of the Holy Spirit is in Galatians where we're told that things like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and self-control, those things are found, those things are taken hold of when we listen to when we're able to uncover the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And if we're all honest, we've all approached church this weekend lacking in some area of that, don't we? Don't we all kind of walk in knowing that in some area we'd love to be able to love a little bit more? In some area we'd love to have more joy. In certain areas we'd love to have a little bit more self-control. That's what it looks like to be led by the Holy Spirit is to hold and live through those things. So this week, we're going to add another idea. Last week, uh, Danny kicked off the series by telling us that the, the Holy Spirit will nudge us to the truth. It will always push us towards the truth. This week, number two, in your notes this week. This week, we're talking about that the Holy Spirit will nudge us. It will nudge you to invest in others by using your gifts. The Holy Spirit will nudge you to invest in others by using your gifts. The idea of gifts and the Holy Spirit go together really well. In 1 Peter chapter 4, here's what we see. We see that God has given us, he's given each of you, say it with me, a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts, and we're to use them well to make ourselves rich. We are to use them well to buy a new condo, or to have a little more stability in our finances, We're to use them well to get our kids in line get them to sleep in a little more since it's vacation time. Just me? Just me? I don't, just, okay. No, we're to use them well to serve one another. If we're led by the Holy Spirit, it's our understanding that we're going to be given gifts to be able to accomplish the works of the spiritual life. The Holy Spirit, he will do that for us. We're to be using those gifts to serve one another. We talked about last week the idea of freedom, right? That that the Holy Spirit will nudge us towards truth. The truth sets us free. The Apostle Paul has this to say about how we use that freedom. He says that we've been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature, only to make life better for yourself. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. In love. So today I want to spend some time working through this idea that the Holy Spirit has given us gifts and will lead us to invest in others all the time. And before we get going any further, I just want to help maybe clarify, and I'll give a couple of examples in our time today about what maybe a nudge looks like in our lives. For me, I'll just share one example from my family, and that's that uh, about three, I'm sorry, yes, three years ago or so, my wife always corrects me on time. Anybody else have that problem? My wife and I have been married 11 and a half years. Five years ago, we had our little guy, Graham, and we had a tough decision to make. After we gave—we didn't give birth, actually. My wife gave birth. <laughs> I was there. I counted. Uh, but after Graham came into the world, my wife and I had a hard conversation about what it looked like for her. You see, my wife's a teacher, and she, up until that point, had invested all of her energy in her work life towards educating kiddos. In particular, preschool and early elementary kids. And so we had the conversation that many parents do. Does Jen stay home and and help serve, not serve Graham? Well, that's kind of what we do to our kids, are not we? We kind of serve them. But uh, to raise Graham in his early part of his life, or would she go back to work and we would pay for daycare and, and then eventually preschool? And I don't know about you if you've ever raised a kiddo, but daycare and preschool are cheap, Right? Right, sarcastic laughs at every single campus. So for us, we were blessed to be able to be in a position where Jen chose to stay home. And we felt like that's where uh, she was best to be raising Graham. But something happened at about two years in. After Graham's second birthday or so, sometime that spring, my wife started to feel a little differently about the future and staying home and whether that that she wanted to stay home. So We did what we always do in those situations where we feel like God's moving in some area of our lives and we just, we lifted it up in prayer and we asked God to make it clear, make it abundantly clear which way we should be going. And really we did feel a nudge. We felt that God was nudging my wife back into the classroom. You see, my wife has been given gifts of the Holy Spirit to be able to translate real and practical things to three, four, and five-year-olds. Something I don't have. And so she felt the nudge and she went back into the classroom. And today she teaches at Union Elementary in Franklin Community Schools, just south of Bargersville, here in central Indiana. And I can tell you that the Holy Spirit continues to verify that we made the right choice, that we followed the nudge. And just one example of that is that recently, uh, right around the time that we did a night of worship uh, at Emmanuel, I don't know if you've experienced a night of worship. That's just a, a, a quick plug for it. But if you've never experienced a night of worship, the next time you hear of one, you've got to come. It's an amazing event. But here's what happened. She walked into the classroom one morning, and there were three kids just chatting it up, all excited. Two of them were Emmanuel kiddos, one from our Franklin campus and one from our Greenwood campus. And they were chatting it up and saying, are you coming to church tonight? Are you going to come to the worship night? And they were really excited about getting together to be able to come to big church because it's a family event when we do a night of worship. And they were talking about it. And this third little kiddo who didn't have an Emmanuel experience, wasn't part of the Emmanuel family just yet. They were excited to invite their friend to night of worship. They were four and five years old. My wife immediately understood and was validated that the nudge of the Holy Spirit had led her back into the classroom. Dozens of students over the last few years in each of her classes have been blessed by her following the Holy Spirit's guidance and his guidance back to teaching. Now, I don't know what it looks like for you, but I guarantee you that today as we work through these ideas, God will bring something to mind for you. The Holy Spirit will nudge you in one way or the other in some area of your life, and I don't want you to lose the opportunity and write that down as it comes to mind. And I'll give you a few opportunities as we keep going as well. But see, if the Holy Spirit, if he's going to nudge us to invest in other people by using our gifts, why? Why isn't the Holy Spirit's role just to allow us to walk a better spiritual life? It's because of what's in your notes next. I think people are eternal. I don't think I know that people are eternal. And well, I think this is the primary reason that God uses the Holy Spirit in our lives to direct us, especially to invest in other people. Dallas Willard said this. He said that we, that you, are a never-ceasing spiritual being with an eternal destiny in God's great universe. Now, many of us, we, well, we need to just sit back and process this statement. Because oftentimes, we, we have a hard time wrestling that to the ground in our own spiritual life. To separate the idea that we are not just flesh and bone that we have a soul, that soul has an eternal destiny. But what I want us all to realize is that if we can get that true for ourselves, if we can wrap our arms around that in our own spiritual walk, this idea that I am eternal is also true for the person that sits next to you today. It's also true for the coworker that's in the office next door. It's true for that student who sits alone at the lunch table because they have a hard time finding or making or keeping friends. It's also true for whoever God puts in our lives. Scripture would call them our neighbors, those that are near us. This is true for me. It is true for you and for the people in our lives. So what do we do with that? If they are eternal and we know the Holy Spirit will nudge us to invest in them, what does that begin to look like? The Apostle Paul in Galatians chapter 6, here's what he says. He says that we should be sharing each other's burdens, And in this way, we obey the law of Christ. Now, the law of Christ is simply, well, at one time Jesus was asked, what does the law look like to you? What's the most important thing to you? And Christ said, very simply, to love God and to love your neighbor. When we do those two things and do them well, we're obeying the law of Christ. And what Paul says is that it's simple. We get to obey the law of Christ when we share each other's burdens. Now, what is a burden? Well, I don't know what you walked in here with today but that's a burden. For some of us, it might be that our financial life is a a burden on us, that we're consistently strapped or that we're living paycheck to paycheck. That's your burden. For some of us, it's raising our kiddos to walk a life that isn't terrible. (laughs) And sometimes parenting can be our burden. Maybe for you, it's a a diagnosis. Something that's scary that, that you carry with you and that's your burden. For others of us, it might be that the joy of life is real for you and your family, that maybe there's a pregnancy in your family after many years or many times trying and yet this is the time where the anxiety comes and the hope and the prayer comes that this time it will work. That might be your burden. Whatever it is that you walked in here with today, I can guarantee you one thing. Somebody else in your circle whether in a room that you're sitting in and or the person next to you on your couch this morning they're probably going to share a burden that looks similar. What Paul says is that it should be our job to be lifting those for people that we should be sharing those with people. And we do that through love. In 1 John 3:16, many of us know John 3:16, but in 1 John 3:16, we understand how we get to do that through love. It says that we know that real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So, we also ought to give give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. We should be giving up our lives for our brothers and sisters. Now, If you're someone that has put your trust in Christ, you know that Jesus came to this earth, that he lived a perfect and sinless life, that he was murdered for it, but that he would be stepping out of that grave after just a few days. Now, it's easy to translate this first to say, oh man, so I'm literally supposed to lay down my physical life to give that up, to step in front of a bus for my neighbor, that that's what living in Christ's love looks like. And I'm here to tell you that almost all the time, you will not have to step in front of a bus Or to give up your earthly life for your friend, for your neighbor, for the person that God puts in front of you. But maybe, maybe just maybe that giving up our lives for someone looks like a preference. Maybe it looks like just coming in second place for once and allowing you to lift somebody else up. Yet for some of us it means that we're willing to take that political idea that we just know that we're right about and holding it down in a conversation to be heard or to help someone feel valued. Almost always, it's just a little bit of humility to gain influence in someone's life, to love them, to serve them, to help them lift a burden along the way. In the team this week, we put this in your notes because we wanted you to be able to see it, that, that this love is really the fuel that allows us to invest in other people. This is what's in your notes, is that that same love that Jesus carried on the cross is what the Holy Spirit carries inside of you if you're a follower of Christ, The same love that Jesus carried to the cross, the same heart that took your sin and my sin and was willing to pay his life for it is the same energy and fuel that lives inside of us in the Holy Spirit. So if we're called to invest in the lives of other people by using the way that God built us, the how is by relying on the love of Christ, on the Holy Spirit inside of us. So if we know that that's our purpose, and we know that's the intent, and we know why it's so important, because people are eternal, how do we do it? How do we go about following the Holy Spirit's nudge? How how do we follow it practically? In your notes this week, number one is this, that we have to discover our gift. Now, for you, it might mean gifts, an S on the end, and that's okay, But an absolute minimum, we have to discover the way God has built us. And so often when we take the idea of our gifts and the Holy Spirit and we put those together, friends, we overcomplicate it so often. And we think through the context of, well, I don't know that I have the gift of prophecy or that I have a gift of teaching or the various prescriptive lists of gifts uh, delineated in the scriptures that tell us about what a spiritual gift looks like. Almost all the time, we just need to start with what we're already good at. How many of you have ever been paid to do something for more than one day in your life? Anybody? Anybody's held down a job or some kind of chore for more than one day that you were good enough to carry on to two days? Almost all of us. Here's what I want you to realize. Someone was willing to pay you to use the way that God built you to do something, something simple. Maybe it's to clean a room for somebody else, or maybe it's to make them a meal, or maybe it's to change a diaper, or whatever it is that someone's been willing to pay you to use your gifts at some point in your life. Start there. Start with the things that come natural to you already that you're already good at. And if that's hard for you, or maybe you've got that and it doesn't feel exactly spiritual to you, I want you then to just go on and think about what stirs up your heart. What sort of injustice in the world or thing in the world do you see that stirs up your heart for righteousness or for love or to meet a need. Because most of the time, it's not super spiritual. It's just what wrecks you inside. So start there. And yet for others, it's, it's just understanding our personality. Our quirks are the way that we're built. Now, how many of you have ever taken a personality assessment or some sort of personality test for a job or at school or for fun, if you're crazy. Um, We've all answered some questions and had some kind of profile spit back at us, right? Well, I don't know if you know this or not, but our growth track here at Emmanuel, which you can take online at any time, our growth track is designed, if you're new, uh, to help you understand who we are as a church, uh, what we're all about. Uh, But in particular, step three of that is to discover how God has built you. Discover how God has gifted you so that you can make an impact in the kingdom through what we're doing here at Emanuel. And inside that step three of our growth track is something that we call the disc assessment. So I want everybody in your notes to write down four letters: D, I, S, C. And I'm going to show you my disc profile and tell you why I think it's funny. And I won't say all the embarrassing parts about it. Um, but just to help you understand what it looks like, the personality of Matt Randall. Here's my disc profile. Now, I'm not going to spend all day because we could spend all day walking through each, what each of these means, but this is just how I'm built. So, uh, practically speaking, that the I letter for me is generally high. So here's what that means. I really, really like that people like me. Uh, so when I'm asked, I'll be the center of attention. <laughs> the S means I have a big heart. It means that I care about how you feel more importantly than I care about the perfection of the work that you are doing. And speaking of that perfection, this little C is below the red line. So if you want to talk about super details with me, have patience. Now really for the rest of us, it's that if we have a high D and, and well, let me just throw this at you. If we were all in a room together and we had a meeting and the meeting was over, And our job was to take down the room, right? So clear out the tables and chairs from the room. If you're someone who would take this assessment, answer some questions, and come back with a high D, you're somebody who's already trying to order us around on what to do without really knowing what we're supposed to do because you like being in charge and causing direction and getting things done. Now, for those of us that are high eyes, we have just been given an excuse to have a party. (laughs) I now have 35 friends I didn't even know I was going to have before I entered this room. If I'm a high S, I'm really gonna care that this team's working really well together. So like, let's make sure everybody feels cared for, okay? So if I'm gonna make a friend, it's gonna be my best friend, okay? And so we're going to coffee on Thursday before I even get a chance to ask you. Now, if I'm a high C on this disc profile, it's gonna tell me that I've already made a flowchart and I've discovered the efficient height of the chairs where the tables should go to allow for the mass utilization of this room in the future. Because details are very important to somebody who's a high C. Now, I'm just making some jokes, but actually there's reality in there. And so we offer an opportunity for everybody at Emmanuel to take a disc assessment for free to understand how God has built your personality. So this week you have an opportunity. So get your pens out with your notes ready to go. Those of you who are watching on your phones or online, you already have an easy way to do this anyway. And you can text the word DISC, D-I-S-C. You can text that word to 65248 65248- this week, and we will send you a free disc assessment if you haven't already taken one as part of our growth track, just to give you a tool to understand how God has built you. Because when you put those things together, you start to understand how God has uniquely gifted you to invest in the lives of other people. The second thing I want us to talk about this week is that we have to start planning to bless other people. We have to start planning to invest in the lives of other people. And here's what I mean. How many of us How many of us have been asked to do something? And our answer, and don't raise your hand because it's going to embarrass you. How many of you, the quickest answer that comes to your mind is, oh, I wish I could but I just don't have the time. The number one answer when we're asked for helping uh, to serve around here at Emmanuel is the idea that I could but I'm just, you know what, things are crazy and I'm too busy. The number one enemy of the spiritual life at times is busyness. But Fun fact for you. Did you know that at any given weekend at Emanuel it takes 1,200 volunteers? At our online campus, at our Banta campus, at our Franklin campus, and at our Greenwood campus, and at our other events like Verb, in which we serve hundreds of students every single month. It takes 1,200 plus volunteers for an Emanuel weekend to happen. Think of what we could do with 3,000. Think of the campuses we could launch with 4,000 volunteers, 4,000 people serving on our impact team. Yet others of us, we, we have this idea with our finances. So that offering bucket comes by and we pass it along. And just for, just for reference, if I'm ever at your campus and you see me pass the, the bucket along without putting something in it, I give online, okay? Easiest way to support it at a is at slash give. So just wanna throw that out there so I'm self-conscious. No one can judge me anymore when I let the offering bucket pass, Okay. <laughs> No, the idea, though, is, is that don't we do this with our finances? You see, we, we, we see opportunities to give. We see opportunities to help meet a need for someone else. And yet we wrestle with it because we just can't. We just don't have the margin in our finances. And I would say that that's because we're not planning to bless others. I was reading a post this week by Chris Brown, who works with Dave Ramsey at Ramsey Solutions. And he does a, a podcast and a radio program. Here's what Chris says about how he and his wife understood this idea. He says, after all, being intentional forgiving, it can't happen unless we're positioned forgiving. In his post, he talked about how he and his wife designed and they created something called the kingdom account. And so what it is, is after they got married, they decided, you know what, we want to bless other people. So they literally created a whole nother checking account with the sole purpose of blessing other people. And every single paycheck, they throw a tiny little bit in there. Now let me make this clear. This is above and beyond the tie that they give to the local church. They made that clear in the article. But every single month, they get to pray and ask God for opportunities to invest in other people. And then when they're out to dinner and they overhear a need or some kind of issue going on with a couple, or maybe they're just having a hard day and they can feel it or sense it, you know what they're able to do? They look at each other, they do that married thing where like they do the, you know, they give the little wink or the nod or sometimes for me it's just the look where it's like, (laughs) that's that's the hard one actually, it's like the, and then they pay for a meal. They pay for a meal when they're out to dinner every once in a while. If they feel like the Holy Spirit, they feel like he's nudging them to invest in those people, they do it. If they're in their small group and they hear of a need that pops up, Somebody needs a fence fixed or a fence built. They're able to say, we got that. We'll take care of that for you. For them and their finances, this is just what it happens to look like. I don't know what it looks like for you. But I guarantee you that it will have something to do with your time with God. That's the last idea I want you to wrestle with in planning. Because see, I think we make it so difficult sometimes. And when I say we need to invest in the lives of other people by meeting needs, instantly you think of your checkbook. But what if we spent time with God Specifically asking him to show us. God, please use the Holy Spirit today to to show me who needs to be invested in. Whatever your time with God looks like, maybe it's in the morning when you wake up, maybe it's when you go to bed, maybe it's that you read your Bible and spend time with God on your lunch hour so that you don't go punch your coworkers in the afternoon. (laughs) That is not a Jesus thing. Do not punch your coworkers but Holy Spirit, please show me who I can be investing in today. That's what it looks like to plan to invest in other people. The third thing is that we have to do something. It's simple, I know, it's two words, write it down, that we have to do something. Recently from this stage, you heard about the idea that that if you're at Emmanuel and you spend some time here, And you think that being part of Emmanuel and what we're we're going or what we're doing here is about coming in on the weekend, sitting and soaking up some some good teachings, some spiritual yum-yums, walking out of here and feeling good, you won't last long around here. That's what it looks like to consume, not invest. So this idea of doing something is real and Practical that it's not our job to just soak up good ideas and learn more about the Holy Spirit. We've got to be willing to do something about it. Recently, when that came from this platform, and I wrote that in my notes, and I took it to small group that week, I knew I could not get out of my small group. My guys would not let me go unless I had a thing written down on my paper. And it just happened to be about inviting people to church. And I realized that the neighbors, like the real physical ones, you know, like the one that lives on this side of my house, that side of my house, across the street, that I had not been doing enough to invest in those relationships so that I could practically invite them to church without being the weird pastor next door. That's a thing, by the way. So you know what I did? I asked them, what was the best night of the week for them? Because my wife and I were going to have a taco party we're going to invite some neighbors around and just get to know them a little bit better to alleviate the weird pastor next door problem. You know, the guy who stands in the middle of his yard and says, slow down. That's me. I'm sorry. That's what it looked like for me. It was taco party. So I started conversations with each one of those neighbors to say, hey, what's the best night of the week for you guys? My wife and I, we were thinking about uh, putting together a taco night. Feel free to bring the family what looks best for you. And we realized that a Thursday and Friday night looks pretty good for most people. So here in the next couple of weeks or so, we're going to have a taco party. That's what my do something was. What is the do something for you? What is it? And I want you to write it down. What's the thing that the Holy Spirit is bringing to your mind? Because all of this, all of this is predicated on the idea that if you've got the Holy Spirit living inside of you as a follower of Christ, you will be nudged to invest in the lives of other people. Leo Buscaglia says this about that gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit, but in particular, what he gives us to invest. He says this, he says that our talents, your gifts of the Holy Spirit, are God's gift to you. What you do with it is your gift back to God. Ooh, consider that for a minute. God has given us a wealth of gifts the Holy Spirit feeds them inside of us and will actually give us opportunities to use them. He will do that. Do we close our hands? Or do we constantly looking for people to invest that in? That's the challenge for us this week. And when I was a young believer trying to understand what this whole walk with Jesus looked like, I read Rick Warren's Purpose Driven Life as part of a small group. And there's a passage in there that just struck me. And as someone who was working hard to understand what it looked like to follow Christ and and realizing that it wasn't all about me, here's what Rick says. And I hope it hits you the same way it hit me. He said, when we use our gifts together, we all benefit. When 1,200 people decide that we are all going to use our gifts together, you benefit. We all benefit. But, If others don't use their gifts, you get cheated. Ooh, anybody feeling selfish, real quick? I don't want to be cheated. You better use your gifts if it benefits me. Even then, though, if you don't use your gifts, they get cheated. How grateful I am to be at a place like Emmanuel where enough people every single week decide we will use our gifts together to benefit everyone. We will make this place warm and welcoming to those who may have already written off church. We'll make this place accepting so that when someone walks in, it doesn't matter what they look like. It doesn't matter their background or where they come from, that they'll feel welcome here. I'm grateful that we brew coffee in the mornings so that I'm excited to preach. Because me without coffee is, ex- exciting is not the word, my wife can fill you in later, but I'm grateful that enough of us have chosen to do that because if yet we don't, we all get cheated. We lose opportunities to influence people. We lose opportunities to, ex- to allow someone to experience what it looks like to follow Christ, to experience the abundant life Overwhelming levels of joy when you shouldn't have any. Peace when you lose a loved one and everyone looks at you and thinks you should be destroyed. But did you have an inner peace knowing the security that we have in our salvation? A need that goes unmet because we aren't willing to jump in at yet, no, a fence that gets built because you've been ready to invest in the lives of other people. Consider what would happen. What would happen in your life if you understood how God built you, took some time to really wrestle with that, what would happen in your life if you woke up every single day and asked the Holy Spirit to help you invest in the lives of other people, to point out opportunities, to make clear opportunities to maybe invite somebody to church or to meet a need? What would it look like for you if you woke up every day of every week before you came in on Saturday or Sunday And decided to do something. I can tell you what would happen. We wouldn't have enough seats. The E that we wear on our shirts when we go into public. And I'm okay being known as a t-shirt church. As long as we're all living by the t-shirt. But the t-shirts would be known as a force for good in our communities. That when a practical need would happen in the community of Franklin. E-shirts would show up before anybody could even ask for it to be met. On the south side of Indianapolis, we'd be bursting at the seams at our Banta campus, ready to launch out into the community and build continual partnership after partnership after partnership to bless other people where they already are. On our online campus, we'd be desperate to find volunteers to help shepherd and love and encourage and connect people online because we'd have thousands of people dialing in from way outside the footprint of central Indiana. I don't know what it looks like for you, but I know what it could look like for us. So this week, I just want you to consider, what is it? What would happen? And yet, the last question I wanna leave you with is a who. Who is the Holy Spirit nudging you to invest in? Earlier, I talked about this, that I had no doubt that God would bring something for you to mind today that he would bring a person to your mind today that needs invested in, that needs loved on, that needs a burden to be helped, to be lifted. I want you to write that person's name down. Don't lose an opportunity that the Holy Spirit is calling you to. I want you to write their name down before we leave today. I have no doubt that if you're a follower of Christ, the Holy Spirit is active in your life. He will continually point out people for you to invest in. He will continually give you what you need to invest in them. If only, only we listen and follow. This world looks a lot different. And yet maybe today you're with us and the who is you. Maybe you're here today or you're watching online or... And the reason for that is because someone has invited you. At, a, at our Saturday night services, I heard about a woman who had recently come to Christ and we baptized her at the last baptism services and she jumped in a small group and she's growing in Christ and she's been inviting her dad to church consistently. Consistently. Dad, will you come? Oh, I'm busy, I can't make it. Dad, will you come? I don't know, I got this thing that week. Dad, will you come? Oh, I'm not feeling that great this week. He said yes this weekend and he sat in the third row at a Saturday night service because his daughter chose him to be the who. And maybe you're the who tonight, today, wherever you are. And I want to give you a moment to reach out and to accept what we've been talking about today. I want you to know that the levels of joy and peace and patience and kindness, even when you don't want it is available to you. If only that you put your hands in, if you put your life in the hands of Jesus. And we do that through a conversation, starting a conversation with Christ to ask him to enter into forgive us for our sins and to give us the abundant life that he promises. And so right now, I just, wherever you are, I wanna take an opportunity to give you that chance. So if you're ready to step into that, an abundant life with Christ, you can take my words and use them as your own or even just use this time to reach out to him in faith. I hope we'll all bow our heads with our friends ready to make this decision. And say something like this, say, say, Jesus, thank you for bringing me here today. Thank you for nudging me out of bed and, Thank you for an opportunity to say thank you. I know that you lived a life on this earth and you died on a cross and, and yet the grave could not stop you. Because you walked out of that grave, I can have the confidence in knowing that all that you did was for me. I ask you today to forgive me for the wrong, the sin that I've caused against the people in my life and against you. Forgive me. Wash me clean and help me to live an abundant life, the kind of life that you promise is available to me. So today at this moment, I take my first step in a relationship with you. Thank you, Jesus. For this opportunity to trust you. Walk with me. Jesus, it's in your name that I pray. And we all said, Amen. If you made a decision for Christ today, I just want to tell you something. It could be one of the best decisions. No, no, no. No. It is the best decision you will ever make in your life because you have opened a life ready for the Holy Spirit, ready to act in your life. And I can't wait for what that looks like for you. And because I know how important it is for you to understand what Jesus says about you and what's available to you, I wanna put a New Believers New Testament in your hands. And so today, wherever you're at, if you're watching online, you can let our team know right there. If you're watching at our Franklin campus, Banta campus or at our Greenwood campus, I want you to know that at the back of our auditorium, you'll be able to talk to our starting point team and they'll put one of these in your hand just to begin a conversation to make sure that you know that you are not alone as you walk a journey with Christ. And I also want to say that we're told that there's a party that goes on in heaven every time one soul comes back to Christ. So can we just celebrate with all of you who've made decisions today? Uh, For all of you that call Emmanuel home, I can't thank you enough for an opportunity to share my heart with you. You have to know that whether it's me or whether it's uh, Brent, or whether it's Aaron or whether it's Danny, that we are preaching to ourselves first, that God has illuminated for me areas of my life and people in my life that I need to continue to ask him to help me invest in. And so my hope for you today is is that we're ready to go, that we're ready to learn, that we're ready to ask his help and to do something. So wherever you are, I hope that you take that thing and that person and we're active this week in the Holy Spirit. Right now, I'm gonna hand it back off to our campus teams. They're gonna finish us up with a special announcement. Let's go get them, let's do something this week.